From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch, your source for news and analysis on policy, politics, and culture from a biblical perspective. I'm your host, Tony Perkins, and Washington Watch starts now. Capitol Hill was abuzz earlier today when the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, Mike Turner, informed House members that his committee had, quote, identified an urgent matter with regard to a destabilizing foreign military capability. I want to assure the American people there is no need for public alarm. We are going to work together to address this matter, as we do all sensitive matters that are classified. And beyond that, uh, I'm not at liberty to disclose classified information and really can't say much more. But we just want to assure everyone, uh, steady hands are at the wheel, we're working on it, and there's no need for alarm. That was House Speaker Mike Johnson just a little while ago. Now, sources on the Hill say the threat is connected to Russia. We'll see. The House is currently in a series of votes on the House floor, but we're going to be joined by Florida Congressman Mike Waltz, a member of the House Intelligence Committee. And we're also going to talk with our own general, Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin will join me. Now, this alarm over a potential national security threat comes as Congress has been grappling with the renewal of the controversial Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, or what's known as FISA. Now, FISA was first enacted back in 1978, but the House was scheduled to vote on the renewal of that law this week. But it was just announced uh, that the vision over the measure has prompted House leadership to postpone that vote. Ohio Congressman Warren Davidson, who has been working to reform FISA to keep the government from spying on Americans, will join us later here on Washington Watch. We're also going to dive into the aftermath of the historic impeachment vote last night of Secretary of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas. This action, this is the culmination of nearly a year's worth of investigations and hearings, was necessary to deal with a rogue DHS secretary whose lawless actions have caused and perpetuated one of the worst, the worst border crisis in American history, a border crisis that has devastated communities all across our country. That was Tennessee Congressman Mark Green, chairman of the Homeland Security Committee this morning. Now, this vote by the House highlights the ongoing border crisis. But as we'll discuss, impeachment alone does not solve the problem. And in a significant legal victory, the attorney general of Missouri secured a court order yesterday requiring Planned Parenthood to comply with an investigation into their deceptive practices surrounding transgender treatments of minors. Now, we're going to delve into the implications of this ruling and its broader implications for the safety of children when we're joined by Missouri's Attorney General, Andrew Bailey. Now, we continue to track the investigation of the Lakewood church shooting in Houston. This looks like it could be a form of intersectionality that the left would like to ignore. Information is pointing to the shooter being an illegal transgender alien with a criminal and mental health record who directed her rage toward a church. Texas Congressman Randy Weber joins me as we discuss the latest. From the halls of power to the front lines of the cultural battles, Washington Watch is your platform for informed discussion and meaningful dialogue, all from a biblical perspective, designed to equip you to stand up, speak up, and stay engaged. So let's navigate these pressing issues together. Well, as I mentioned earlier today, House Intelligence Committee Chairman Mike Turner released a statement calling on President Biden to declassify information about a serious national security threat. Now, speaking to reporters this afternoon, House Speaker Mike Johnson assured there is no need for public alarm. And White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan declined to elaborate on the threat during a White House press briefing earlier this afternoon. So what do we know so far? what briefings have or will be uh, prepared for members of Congress. Uh, Joining me here in just a moment is uh, Congressman Mike Waltz of Florida. He serves on the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence and the House Foreign Affairs Committee. He represents the 6th Congressional District of Florida. Do we have Congressman Waltz? Congressman, welcome back to Washington Watch. We don't have him just yet. Well, let me bring in uh, our own Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, Retired after 36 and a half years, last four years at the Pentagon. Uh, General, so this seems a little odd uh, that a member of Congress, chairman of the uh, Intelligence Committee, would say we have information 
but then not provide any details. Yeah, it's very bizarre. In fact, um, if we don't know what we're looking at, we don't know what it does, and we don't know where it comes from, um, we've got to stand up and, and, and look at ourselves and say, how did it get here? Who built it? Who produced it? Because this is, uh, from my perspective, when we saw that satellite go over America a few months ago. The balloon? The balloon. Right. Yeah, a few months ago. That uh, opened my eyes after 36 years in, in this business. That opened my eyes because if you don't know what that is, then you've got something to be afraid of. On the other hand, if you have right. some general idea of what it is and you can you can mentally dissect it, uh, you may be able to figure it out. Well, let's go uh, to Congressman Waltz. We have Congressman Waltz joining us, I believe, by phone from the House floor. Congressman, uh, welcome back to Washington Watch. Sure, Tony. Always happy to be with you. So we were just discussing this uh, announcement from the chairman of the Intelligence Committee that there is this uh, unknown threat. What can you tell us about this? What do we know so far? Well, two things, Tony. I mean, first, I want to say, look, there's 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 no need to be diving in your your bunker tonight. Um, But it is a very serious uh, and urgent threat. Uh, And so uh, two things have occurred. One. Uh, The House Intelligence Committee, the chairman, Representative Mike Turner, uh, made a determination that the threat is is so significant. Uh, Again, not imminent tomorrow or this weekend, but is a very significant threat that we need to broaden it out to all the membership. And as you well know, uh, the members on the Intelligence Committee have a very special position of trust. We have access to our most compartmented secrets. Uh, and and that is, uh, I think, completely normal. Uh, if you're on the Agriculture Committee or the Education Committee, you may not need uh, to have that day-to-day uh, access to provide oversight of the intelligence community policies and budgets. However, in this case, uh, the, the threat is so significant, and in my view, would be a geostrategic game-changer uh, if it fully materializes that uh, he made a decision to have all members have access to this intelligence and called upon uh, the administration to work through the process, protect our sources and methods, but to declassify it. Because as if the administration does that, I think we will all see that this is a threat of global proportions. Um, and so that's, that's essentially what the chairman announced today. Uh, I will also share with you uh, his frustration. He has sent multiple classified letters uh, to the administration asking them to come meet with us, inform us of their strategy to deal with this, uh, and, and and they haven't done so. Fortunately, now it looks like we're going to have a, you know what's called a gang of eight meeting, the leadership of both the House, the Senate, and the Intelligence Committees tomorrow. And uh, I hope out of that uh, we see that the administration is not only taking this seriously but putting uh, strategies in place to deal with it. So, so, Congressman Waltz, was there some new information that came forth today or in the last week that triggered this new level of alarm, or is this something they've just been dragging their feet not responding? Well, as you know, um, Tony, that there, you know, there are things that, I'm going to I'm going to word this carefully. Uh, There are things that we have insight to through our amazing uh, intelligence community. And then additional pieces of the puzzle come into place uh, that, you know, takes things. I mean, just generally speaking, things can be low confidence, high confidence. Um, So there were some pieces of the puzzle that have fallen into place. Uh, But I think of equal concern was the lack of information and the lack of response from the administration to the chairman. Uh, and, um, you know, at the same time, he felt an obligation to broaden this to, to all of our members. Again, they're, they're not declassifying it, although we're calling on the administration to do so. It's to invite them, uh, all of the membership of the House, both sides of the aisle, down to the compartmented facilities and, uh, and 
apprise them of this information. Yeah, Congressman Waltz, I, I know it's classified information, so I know you're very, being very careful what you, what you say here. Mm-hmm. But when we, we look at how this administration has dealt with, let's say, our national security at our southern border, I mean, that's we just had the impeachment of the Homeland Security Secretary last night. Is it your opinion that the administration is or is not taking this threat that is known to the intelligence community seriously? Well, that I think it remains to be seen. Um, but we have an oversight role, and uh, and yeah, it's what is unacceptable is just to not respond to our inquiries. Yeah, and I'll just I'll leave it at that. Um, I will say, or generally speaking, I think it's safe to say from the spy balloon incident to uh, our disastrous Iran policy to sitting on our hands and allowing our the Houthis to use our ships as target practice, I think generally speaking, there's a real lack of confidence in the leadership and the policy decisions and judgment of this White House. So, you know, when you have a serious matter that you're not getting responses, um, you know, there's a real lack of confidence there. Uh, Congressman, I know you're in the series of votes. If you have to go, just let me know. But I have another question for you. This comes at at the time when the the House is actually wrestling with, grappling with the reauthorization of uh, FISA, which has been somewhat controversial. Does does this intelligence at all play into that debate? Well, I'll just say, uh, generally speaking, Tony, that the it's actually the 702 provision, and not to get too wonky, it's a right, specific right. provision of FISA. Right. Uh, not the entire FISA, you know, FISA program, but it's this provision that allows us to surveil foreigners. Uh, it is critical to a whole bevy, a whole smorgasbord of things that we know, from fentanyl to the cartels uh, to uh, you know, our, our adversaries, China, Russia, and Ukraine terrorist activity here in the United States, I'll tell you just right out the gate, we cannot allow this provision to die or go dark. Now, point one. Point two uh, is FISA needs to be reformed, uh, and this reauthorization is an opportunity to do that. Uh, th- you know, essentially, the abuses of the process as it pertained to President Trump, the, the Steele dossier, the relying on media reports as evidentiary uh, factors in getting a FISA warrant, uh, you know, all of those things need to be reformed, and this bill uh, would do that. There are still some, some, some details that, that we are, frankly, debating and, and negotiating. Uh, but two things I don't want to see happen is, one, uh, the program, the 702 program, to just lapse. That would be incredibly dangerous for our national security. And two, another clean reauthorization right. that doesn't put these reforms in place. So, we, sh- we should yeah, be able to we, do both. We've we just got to get our work done. <laughs> yes. All right, Congressman <laughs> Mike should. Waltz. And we will, uh, because there's few things we do here that literally mean life or death. Yeah. And, uh, and doing this program the right way is one of them. Well, I appreciate you uh, taking time to step off the floor to join us. Uh, look forward to talking to you again real soon. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Florida Congressman Mike Waltz. All right, we're going to continue our conversation a little bit later in the program with General Boykin and also uh, Congressman Warren Davidson about FISA and the 702 provision, which is the controversial portion. That's what has been used to spy on Americans. We're going to talk about that more coming up. But next, we're going to be going back to Texas to follow that shooting at Lakewood Church. What do we know? What's the latest? That's next here on Washington Watch. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific 
specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us. The website is TonyPerkins.com. And by the way, let me say thanks to all of those who have signed our petition on the border. Uh, We're going to deliver that to the House leadership to encourage them to stand firm on the border. I've I've talked to the House Speaker about it. Uh, He is going to be standing. But that reinforcing message will be very helpful for you. So if you have not yet signed it, you still got maybe another day. Text the word border to 67742. That's the word border to 67742. You can sign that petition. All right, we're continuing to track the attack on Lakewood Church, a Houston church last Sunday. Though many questions still remain, a picture has emerged of the shooter, Janice Morneau, a uh, deeply unwell person who was known to authorities and who was previously held involuntarily for psychiatric treatment. Now, according to reports and comments from family members, uh, she is not a U.S. citizen. She used an alias during previous psychiatric commitments. Um, Given her history and legal status, how was she able to purchase a gun? Now, those are just two of the many unanswered questions that we have. And, of course, she used a a male alias. Neighbors described her as describing herself as transgender. So a transgender alien here illegally buying a gun, expressing rage in a church with an AR-15 with Palestine on the butt of it and anti-Semitic writings in her car. Well, we're going to be joined just a moment. As I mentioned, the House is in in a vote. We're going to be joined by Randy Weber, who serves on the House Committee on Energy and Commerce and the House Committee on Space and uh, technology represents the 14th Congressional District of Texas. But I, I want to go first to uh, Washington Stand senior reporter and editor Ben Johnson for more on this story out of Houston. Ben, welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to be with you, Tom. All right, so w- w- what more have we learned regarding uh, the shooting there at Lakewood? 
There's been a tremendous amount of uh, information that's come from her former mother-in-law, Wally Carranza, who uh, identifies as a rabbi online. Uh, the uh, shooter, Moreno, had uh, married a Jewish into a Jewish family, and there had been a long-standing dispute over seven-year-old Sam, who was shot in the head. Uh, she brought her seven-year-old son into uh, the sanctuary when she initiated this mass shooting inside the facility at Houston. Sam, according to the mother-in-law, uh, was born at less than one pound because of Moreno's drug use. And uh, she had kept him on a feeding tube for many, many years, well beyond the uh, period of time in which it was necessary to keep him on a feeding tube. They were attempting to get uh, full custody of the child at that time, However, that did not come about. There, there's a lot of questions here that it appears that the legacy media and even the, I'd say, law enforcement seem to be dancing around. Well, they certainly are. I, I would commend everyone, uh, commend this show, and I would urge everyone to find yesterday's uh, edition of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins. This is one of the few media outlets that actually cover the words of the neighbor who said she was essentially acting like a woke activist. Uh, whenever they would have a dispute, she would say, you're opposed to me because I'm transgender, you're opposed to me because I'm black, you're opposed to me because I'm Hispanic. The intersectional portion of this would always change, but it was always playing one of those cards, one of which, as she mentioned, was in fact that she identified as transgender. However, if you say that, there's an Associated Press fact check out saying that she did not, in fact, identify as transgender. According to those who knew her best, she did. Right. Uh, and the, in the, in the, I played a clip from law enforcement that, I mean, spent 60 seconds explaining why they were identifying her as her and not saying that she was transgender. Um, but the, which which is interesting in itself that they took up that much uh, police right. time, that many but police resources. It, it's a sad it's commentary. It's a sad commentary, though, on where we are in, in the world, in the culture, where we've we, we've got to explain when someone is a biological male or female, we have to explain why we're describing them as a male or a female. I mean, it's it's absolutely. And, uh, and of course, this takes up police resources, takes up time that they could uh, devote to other crimes. Uh, that they well, may actually be able to find. Okay, so maybe uh, that's maybe that's subjective in the minds of some. But let's talk about whether or not someone's in the country legally or illegally. Again, we go to uh, her own family stating that she was not here legally. Right. Her family uh, knew of her mental health issues. Uh, again, the mother-in-law, uh, Carranza, has said many times that uh, she is schizophrenic, that she has mental issues uh, beyond that. And yet they did not turn her in, in part because they were afraid it would trigger an, an immigration investigation and she would be sent back to her native country because she was here illegally. Uh, this seems like the most preventable kind of mass shooting that right. could have ever been, uh, that could have taken place had anyone looked into any of these issues. Uh, ben Johnson, thanks so much for, uh, for joining us and continue to track this story. Thank you so much. Well, as I said, uh, by the way, folks, uh, Washington Stand, information each and every day, uh, our news outlet, Washington Stand. You can find out more. Go to WashingtonStand.com. All right. Many questions, as I said, still remain regarding the suspect. And you know what? The, the legacy media, uh, both locally and nationally, I think would rather this story just go away so they don't have to address all of these issues. Illegal immigration, transgenderism, mental health, uh, it's a lot here. Joining me now to talk more about this is Congressman Randy Weber. He represents the 14th Congressional District of Texas. Congressman Weber, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you, Tony. Glad to be here. I, I know you guys have been voting, and, and so I appreciate you stepping off the floor to, uh, to talk with us. Uh, what are you hearing from back home in Texas regarding the shooting there at Lakewood Church? Well, it's a, it's a great question, and though being from Texas, we understand what's at stake here, that the only thing that stops a bad person with a gun is a good person with a gun. And you're seeing this played out again uh, uh, in Texas. Now, our heart goes out to that little seven-year-old, right. of course. I hope you know, he's fighting for his life. I haven't heard an update on him today. Um, but you're seeing a situation where, again, you kind of laid it out. You've got someone illegal that's here that has a criminal background dating back to 2005. And Tony, I don't know how much you've seen about it, but the charges included forgery, assault, theft, evading arrest. Yeah. She had, he, she, or, you know, <laughs> had a documented history of mental illness, particularly schizophrenia, 
also what put into emotional detention by the youth and was also put into emotional detention by the Houston police in 2016. Yeah. This is a person who's not going to obey the law. Right. They're going to get a gun. They're here illegally. And thank God that there was two good guys with a right. gun right there to stop this. Congressman, we're going to have to leave it there. We're up against a break. Always great to talk to you. Thanks so much for, uh, for joining us. We'll continue the conversation later. Thanks, Tony. All right, Congressman Randy Weber of uh, Texas. All right, don't go away. The Attorney General of Missouri is here next to talk about Planned Parenthood. Don't go away. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroicfaith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroicfaith. Yesterday, a state circuit court in Missouri granted a motion to force a Missouri Planned Parenthood chapter to turn over documents relating to gender transition interventions performed on minors. Now, you may remember that, uh, as I discussed on Washington Watch last year, Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey launched an investigation into a Missouri chapter of Planned Parenthood regarding the organizations conducting gender procedures on children, minor children. Now, what will this court decision mean for the investigation moving forward? Joining me now to discuss this is the Attorney General of the state of Missouri, Andrew Bailey. General Bailey, welcome back to Washington Watch. Tony, thank you so much for having me on. Well, congratulations on this court decision, and I just want to say thank you for your doggedness on on pursuing that which is lawless and, and harmful to children. No, look, we're proud to be leading this fight. And you'll recall that after we launched our investigation into these clinics, we uncovered a shadowy and clandestine network of the clinics operating across the state. And a lot of them were uh, operated by Planned Parenthood. And once we began putting pressure on these clinics, uh, using the legal process to do that, Planned Parenthood actually uh, developed pop-up clinics. And it actually uh, increased the, the the pace of their assembly line of, of child sterilization and mutilation. And so it was important to fight back and use the apparatus of state to to do that. And this is a, a huge win for the authority of the state to move in and protect children. And your viewers and listeners will remember that the Missouri General Assembly ultimately passed Senate Bill 49. And the Attorney General's office was the first state in the nation to successfully defend a measure like that at the trial court level from legal attack from the ACLU to put a stop to these dangerous procedures statewide. But it doesn't mean that we're not going to go back in time and hold wrongdoers accountable. And our access to these documents is critical to understanding the conditions and the circumstances under which these dangerous procedures, these experiments were performed on children. So this is a huge win for protection of children across our state. So is this a a civil or a criminal investigation? 
Well, it's both. I mean, at this point, we're obtaining documents and we will apply the facts, excuse me, apply the law to the facts as they're presented to us. But getting the documents is the first step in understanding what went wrong here and ensuring that we have the proper systems in place to prevent it from ever happening again. But I'll tell you, we will use every tool at our disposal, the juvenile code, uh, you know, statutory prohibitions on child abuse and neglect, the criminal code, and certainly the civil code to hold wrongdoers accountable. Just because it's outlawed going forward doesn't mean we're going to let the, the purveyors of the this right. pernicious uh, experimentation go unpunished. So just so we're clear on this, Planned Parenthood, you're doing this investigation following up on violations of the law and um, the, the deceptive practices that were being employed, and they were just refusing to give you the information that you were asking for. Is that correct? That's right. We have every reason to believe that these clinics, and especially Planned Parenthood, were depriving parents of access to mental health treatment for the juveniles that were coming into these clinics presenting gender dysphoria, and that they weren't tracking adverse outcomes, that they were racing to the administration of powerful, dangerous puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones that aren't approved by the FDA for treatment of gender dysphoria, and ultimately referring kids under 17 years of age for irreversible surgeries. And so how dare anyone tell these kids that God put them in the wrong body? And how dare anyone uh, experiment on these children in this way? And so that's why it's so important to get, keep this fight going. But I'll tell you, Planned Parenthood has demonstrated an utter failure and unwillingness to obey the laws of the state of Missouri and, and, and an unwillingness to provide any kind of safe or ethical health care at all. And so we're going to continue to pursue this, root it out, and hold the wrongdoers accountable. So, General, have you uncovered anything yet that would suggest that maybe uh, money was a motivator here for Planned Parenthood? Were they getting federal dollars for this? What was What was their motivation? Well, I think there's two things at play here. Number one, it's they're a cult of death. They're a cult of death and destruction. I mean, they're committed to the destruction of human life. They're not committed to safe or ethical health care. I think a re recent video released by Pro Project Veritas in Kansas City demonstrates that they willfully flaunt our laws and are illegally transporting children out of state for uh, dangerous abortions. Uh, so they're not actually interested in providing safe or, or, or effective health care. And uh, we believe, based on the evidence that we have and the, based on the evidence that we're going to obtain, that there was a nefarious wrongdoing here. And so we, we've got to root it out. We've got to put systems in place to prevent it from ever happening again. We owe that not only to the children today, but the next generation. What's the timeline you're looking at here? Well, the documents should be ready to go. I mean, certainly the uh, respondents understand that we sought these documents and they had an obligation to have them ready. And so they're on a tight timeline to turn those around. We will have attorneys and investigators standing by ready to receive and review and analyze those documents. And there's probably going to be subsequent document requests. Uh, but we anticipate that the, uh, the the clinics will adhere to the court order. And we're back in court tomorrow uh, in our uh, request for documents from the clinic in St. Louis that has deprived us of access to documents based on federal inter interference from the Biden administration. And now the wind is in our sails. Now we have one court saying, look, the state is entitled to conduct this kind of investigation. And we anticipate we'll receive an, a similar ruling in the case against the clinic in St. Louis as well. Final question for you, uh, General Bailey. These Planned Parenthood clinics are, are, are connected, independent but connected. Do you think the information you uncover could be helpful to other attorneys general in the, in the, in the various states to uncover similar operations? Absolutely. At a minimum, we will uncover this wrongdoing and expose it for what it is. And, and, and again, encourage other states to take similar action to protect children and prevent these kinds of organizations from operating in the shadows and cloaking themselves in this faux morality of, 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 of provi providing health care when it's not health care at all. Yeah. Well, again, I commend you uh, for staying on this. Many would, you know, hit it a lick and then go on to something else, but you've stayed on this and uh, greatly, greatly appreciate it. Uh, children will be a lot better off, a lot safer. General Andrew Bailey, always great to see you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Thanks, Tony. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. All right, to find out more, go to the website, TonyPerkins.com. By the way, uh, while I'm thinking about it, on this issue of transgenderism, we've got a great resource available for you. Uh, to help you understand it and talk about it, all you need to do is text SAFE, S-A-F-E, to 67742. The word SAFE to 67742. All right, more Washington Watch on the other side of this break.
Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clausen, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Welcome back to Washington. Watch the website, TonyPerkins.com, and that resource available for you to discuss the issue of transgenderism so you'll better understand the issue. We have a, a great resource put together by Dr. Jennifer Bowens, who was on the program with me yesterday. Simply text the word SAFE, S-A-F-E, to 67742. That's 67742. Um, big issue, as we just heard with the uh, Attorney General of Missouri, Planned Parenthood, exploiting children. And I think there's a profit motive here, and a lot of it's federal dollars coming from the Biden administration. You, you just, we'll continue to track this. All right, our word for today comes from Exodus chapter 20. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, taking the name of the, of the Lord in vain is not just cursing or swearing. It includes hypocrisy, uh, making a profession of God, of Jesus Christ, but not living accordingly. But it does include also using the name of the Lord lightly or carelessly. You see, fearing or reverencing God is revealed in a large part how we treat his name. Look at what God says to them in verse 24 of the same chapter. In every place where I record my name, I will come to you and I will bless you. Or a better translation, where I cause my name to be remembered, I will come to you and I will bless you. You see, God's name is powerful and it's special. And it is to be honored, and it is to be revered. To join us in our journey through the Bible, go to frc.org slash Bible. Until this afternoon, the House of Representatives was expected to vote this week on a bill to reauthorize FISA in Section 702, that's Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, which allows the government to surveil 
non-U.S. citizens. Uh, but that vote has been delayed because of disagreements over proposed reforms. Now, we heard a little bit about that with Congressman Mike Waltz earlier. Now, FISA was first created in 1978, but beefed up after the intelligence failures leading up to the 9-11 attacks. But has the surveillance authority allowed the U.S. government to spy on Americans without a warrant? This is what's caused so much consternation over the reauthorization of this. Joining me now to discuss this, Congressman Warren Davidson. He serves on the House Foreign Affairs Committee and the House Financial Services Committee. He represents the 8th Congressional District of Ohio, and he's been working to get reform measures through. Congressman Davidson, welcome back to the program. Good to see you. Definitely an honor to join you. Thank you, Tony. Well, it's good to see you this morning. And we, we spoke briefly about this this morning. And, and since we talked this morning, uh, the leadership has pulled this back from a vote. But let's talk about your reform efforts and where those stand. Well, look, it's a disappointing decision by the speaker to pull it back. Uh, the good news is he didn't say we're not going to do reform. Uh, he's just recognizing uh, we don't have a, a clear consensus. It is tough because, you know, the intelligence community and the intelligence committee in Congress essentially wants to keep spying on Americans. In fact, the amendments that the intelligence committee proposed were all to expand the surveillance capabilities that they already have. They want to add ways to spy on Americans. Uh, and this is a rare moment where you have bipartisan uh, agreement in different ways. So this isn't a normal Republican versus Democrat debate. Uh, I was at Rules Committee, and Jerry Nadler and Jim Jordan were all saying how much they agree with one another, and Chip Roy was, and Thomas Massey were all joining in. And you're like, what kind of Twilight Zone episode is this? But the reality is the judiciary folks want to protect civil liberties and and still protect the American people, um, but the intelligence community essentially are less attuned to the civil liberties argument and all in on uh, their view of national security. The American people know that we're supposed to spy on foreigners. Uh, it, the F in FISA is for foreign intelligence. But they also know that the government is spying on them. And they're using the, the powers that they've got in an abusive way. I mean, they're targeting everyone from pro-life Catholics to people that go to school board meetings to, frankly, people that go to protests for BLM or people that back certain political candidates. These are massive abuses, and no one's been held accountable for it. That's why we have to get the reforms through. So, Congressman, can, can we do both? Can we preserve the element that, that helps keep the nation safe and make sure that we don't have, you know, a deep state, we don't have government that, that is v violating the, the, the very freedoms that, you know, we, we fight for? Well, our founders certainly thought so, and that's why they created the Bill of Rights. The Bill of Rights limited the government's ability to abuse its power. And the Fourth Amendment, the Fourth Amendment doesn't say, hey, if you have nothing to, hi uh, to hide, then you have nothing to fear. We're just going to look into everything. If you really wanted to keep everyone safe, you could put a soldier in every home. But the Founding Fathers said, no, no, we have the Third Amendment. We're not going to let you put troops in every home or any home, frankly. And we're also not going to let the government collect your data without getting a warrant. So you have to have probable cause for citizens and you have to get a warrant. And that is the check on the abuse by the executive branches. They have right. to go to the judiciary branch uh, and get a warrant. They have to make the case that we have a reason to go after this person. And in that way, there's a chance for accountability. And under 702, they've not had to get that warrant. That's right. And frankly, the, the sort of mock court way that they do it, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, that they are doing it with is still an executive branch um, you know, dominated system. And when they did come to the court, when they had judges sitting on the fifth court um, and they provided classified information and they spied on the Trump campaign, um, they no one's been held to account yeah, so, for that. So I, I want to underscore this. is We're talking about the same provision that was used against President Trump, then candidate Trump back in 2016, where they, they went to a FISA court to get the warrant to spy on different individuals associated with his campaign. Is that correct? Yeah, so they've, they've abused the system that they already had, and that's why we need to make sure that you have to get an actual warrant. And frankly, you can't circumvent that. The amendment that I had proved to be one of the more controversial ones. 
So what, what, why the opposition to getting a warrant? They say that it's going to make it too cumbersome. And look, having Congress is cumbersome. If you just had a king, you could execute everything much faster, right? And uh, the founding fathers knew that the division of labor was going to be uh, a little slower, maybe a little less efficient, but then they knew that that would make the government have to be more accountable to the public. And that's the trade-off. And, you know, that's why they, they say, hey, it's more efficient if we can just get everything. And there are exceptions in the warrant provisions that were presented uh, in the judiciary bill and in the amendment that was presented at, by the judiciary committee to say that, yeah, if there's an emergency, there's some pending disaster, you, you have all the emergency exceptions in there. Uh, and again, there is no limitation on spying against foreigners. You can spy on Vladimir Putin all you want. Uh, he's not protected by the Fourth Amendment, but American citizens are. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, I, I want our country to be safe, but I'm also I want to protect my freedoms. I'm actually more fearful of my own government right now than I am a foreign government, given what we've seen in the last six years. But uh, you know, maybe I've been here too long. I'm a little cynical. This news coming out today from the chairman of the Intelligence Committee, who was big, one of the big advocates for the reauthorization of FISA as it is, you know, releasing this information but not giving us information of this threat, this external national, you know, external threat to national security. The timing of this just seems a little odd to me. Yeah, I mean, people know there are coincidences because, you know, there are. Uh, but the level of trust that you have in the intelligence community, one person said to me, this is more like uh, bragging that we have the power to just do it openly uh, than actually something that should be taken seriously. And frankly, I had mixed reactions from people that went in and looked at the intelligence. I didn't. I was busy you know, putting this amendment together and going before uh, the rules committee trying to get our amendment in order. Uh, before everything kind of got scuttled. So do we know if this information that they have came through uh, 702 of FISA as them being able to point this is why we need FISA? Uh, from publicly reported information, I think people believe that it was uh, something that Intel presented that shows uh, FISA uh, was useful for some information collection. And that's good because we were planning to reauthorize it. But the problem is that we want, we know we need to reform it. Right, right. So there wasn't a plan to just let it lapse. I mean, right. when this thing was passed into law, it has a sunset provision for a reason. We anticipate a period where maybe we won't need to keep doing this because the target is for, is foreign intelligence. Right. But we also know that in doing that, you're sweeping up a lot of domestic and, and we have uh, to be ex U.S. citizen information extra careful extra careful to preserve the rights and freedoms of Americans. Final question for you, Congressman Warren Davidson. Uh, you talked about a soldier in every house. How about we put those soldiers on the border um, and, and protect the, the, the country down there? Yesterday, the House voting to impeach the Secretary of Homeland Security, Mayorkas. Um, what, what's, what's the future look like? I know it's going to go to the Senate. The Senate's going to, you know, just, you know, kick it to the side. But is the border issue going to be tackled? The border issue has to be tackled. And um, look, the, the president broke it. Uh, he signed executive orders when he first came in and uh, illegal immigration accelerated rapidly. I mean, the New York Times, which is uh, normally a, a big ally for the Bidens and uh, the Democratic Party, pointed out that one and a half years into the Biden administration, uh, illegal immigration had produced revenue for the cartels 26 times the level that it was producing for Trump. They said that the cartels were making about $500 million a year smuggling people across the border. But under Joe Biden, they were making over $13 billion a year smuggling people across the border. And that was only a year and a half in. Now it's only gotten worse. Yeah. So the number's probably even higher. Um, and look, impeaching Mayorkas, we don't expect the Senate's going to do the right thing and remove him. I'm disappointed. None of my Democrat colleagues came over and did the right thing and impeached him. Fundamentally, though, it was the right vote. Yeah. It sets a horrible precedent to say that once you've got a secretary who's Senate confirmed, he no longer has to obey the law and can, in fact, put out executive orders that are completely contradictory to the law. Well, and he I has agree. has to be held to account for that. I, I absolutely agree. Plus, I also think it, it draws, uh, it puts a spotlight on the border issue. This is one of the, the most significant issues we're facing. At, I mean, we've got many issues, but this is, we, we've got our back doors open. 
uh, we've had 300 known uh, terrorists, those on the terrorist watch list, come in that have been caught in just the last couple of years. There's who knows how many more that have come in. Uh, Congressman Warren Davidson, always great to see you. Thanks so much for uh, for fighting to, to protect our freedoms on Capitol Hill. Yeah, thank you, Tony. God bless you and your viewers. All right. Thanks so much, Congressman Warren Davidson of uh, Ohio. All right. I'm going to continue this conversation. By the way, if you want to text BORDER to 67742, we'll add your name to that list, encouraging the House leadership to stand firm on the border. All right. I want to, I want to go uh, back to General Boykin, who's been uh, standing by here on this issue of FISA. Now, General, you were actually in the Army, um, in the Pentagon, post-9-11, when, when all of these things occurred, uh, and we needed to beef up our intelligence. Has that been misused? Absolutely. Um, from my perspective, it, uh, what we're seeing here has the potential to scare every American, make them fearful of what their government is doing, and that's a bad thing. Right. That is a really bad thing. That's what our founding fathers worried about, was a government that would take over, that would take control. But I will tell you this. When uh, right after the foreign, well, right after the act was created, um, there was a lot of angst about it then, but I started using it, and it was under a lot of control. It wasn't just willy-nilly. It was under control, and they used proper procedures and all of that. And, in fact, I had, I was on a little board that, oversaw some of that. And uh, we caught a lot of people that uh, needed to be taken off the streets of America by using that that act. And uh, I think personally, right now, I have no no confidence whatsoever in this, but I could be convinced because I've seen but, the good parts of it. But, but it's like a hammer. A, a hammer in the, the hands of a carpenter is good, the ha- the hammer in the hands of a robber is bad. Yeah. And, you know, that was my point back, you know, when this was first passed. I didn't like it was during the Bush administration. I didn't like it because I knew that at some point there would be another administration in that would not have, you know, the, the, the ethic, ethical standard that one party tends to have and the other party tends not to have. Right. And, and it's abused. And so I, I think this, as as was talked about today on the program, an opportunity to reform it, not throw out the baby with the right. bathwater, if you will, but reform it so that it actually accomplishes what you just said. It, but it my did. point is, under this administration, there is no way that yeah. any of us should trust what these agencies are doing. Yeah, it, that's where you have to have the congressional oversight, um, and that's a part of the reforms is to give the Congress oversight of these uh, warrantless position, uh, provisions in the uh, in, in the warrant uh, in the uh, surveillance. General, always great to see you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Good to be with you. All right. Well, folks, um, it's a lot to pray about, you know, and you know, be anxious for nothing. But by prayer, with supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. We need to be praying. And, I, and I, if you're not joining us in our 21 days of prayer, I encourage you to do that. You can text PRAY21 to 67742. But you need to be involved. We need to pray and we need to act. You know, faith without works is dead. And so be informed. Be engaged. Let your voice be heard. And, and share Washington Watch with your friends. You're gonna get, they're going to get news and information that they're not going to get anywhere else. Until next time, I leave you with the words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. 
Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 